Hey everybody, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to thank my sponsor, Savine from You Matter Coaching. You can find her on Instagram at Savine underscore You Matter. Savine is a licensed clinical social worker that has an awesome program that has to do with burnout and helping social workers work through it. And we will dive into more of that during the episode. All right, let's get into it. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Problem with Authority podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Kelly. And I'm so excited to dive into today's topic. And this is in honor of Women's History Month. We're going to talk about the problem with the way women have been treated in prisons and the history behind that. And I touched on this a little bit in my Problem with Prisons episode. Um, But now we're just going to dive in a little bit deeper to how these issues really looked for women and maybe how we can see a theme about how these things still occur to this day. And I want to open this podcast um, just by saying that this is a way for me to hold myself accountable. Continuing to learn and unlearn and with reading and talking with others. And recently, I'm sure you guys saw all the Dr. Seuss BS. And it just really concerns me, the culture of the internet and social media. Like, it needs a huge shift. And we are not allowing conversations around the complexity of issues because we're so polarized in our beliefs and quick to point fingers at everybody else. Like, the Dr. Seuss company was literally trying to hold themselves accountable by getting rid of those books, and then everybody was trying to cancel them, and it's like, oh my god, like, are we not going to ever get to a point where when people are trying to be better, like, that can just be a thing? Because if if you all want to cancel everybody, like, that's what we're going to have to do, because we are all literally we've all done terrible things and said terrible things. And I'm, and yes, of course, there are some people that continue to have a pattern of that behavior. And that's when those people should be held accountable. But it's kind of hard when people are like reprimanding themselves and the internet still like drags them to filth where I'm like not understanding the goal of cancel culture. I just, I really don't get it. The internet scares me. And doing these podcasts scare me sometimes because people are crazy. Like, I see allies that try really hard to do good and, like, they get dragged to filth all the time. (laughs) It just makes me so scared. But it's, like, me, like, as a woman, as a mixed woman, like, I understand what is hurtful, you know, to say and do, you know, in that realm. But, like, outside of that realm, there's other parts of life that, you know, I don't fully understand do I support yes but like that's a natural part of life that we all need to learn from others and that we're gonna mess up and it's like if we're not giving some people the chance to do that then how are we supposed to move forward I really I really don't know and I feel like that takes away from movements as a whole um I don't know I'm gonna get off my soapbox but that's just what I noticed in the media this past week and it really it just really angered me and frustrated me and just need to get that off my chest. Also, I'm like recording myself in a video for the first time while doing these podcasts. They might go up on YouTube. They might go on Reels. I'm not really sure. So I'm like looking at the video while looking at my notes. So we're going to see how this new setup goes. Kind of exciting, kind of nerve wracking. All right, so let's jump into it. So let's do a little bit of a recap 
from the problem with prisons episode about what we learned with how women were treated in prison. So we talked about how before prisons were common, women were tortured if their husbands deemed them as quarrelsome and unaccepting of male dominance. And like, I'm not going to, like last time, I'm not going to go into the detail about that torture, but it was horrendous. And it's, it's crazy to make the connection about the history of women being seen as less than and treated terribly to how we see that link to domestic violence today. And in the 1700s, one in eight transported convicts were women. And the work that they were forced to perform often included prostitution. So not only were they beat and and hurt, they were forced to do things that they didn't want to do. And some women were treated in the prison system as a way to domesticate them, you know, make them a better wife when they come out, except for women of color. So white women, it was more common for them to be seen as women that can quote unquote be rehabilitated and, you know, to get back to their womanly behaviors and becoming experts in domesticity, like cooking and cleaning. And it was a way to produce better wives. Um, but for black and poor women, it was a way to to make them into skilled servants. So there was still a different view. I mean, to this day, black women and women of color are treated very differently. But it, back then, it was a way to further oppress women who already lived in that realm of womanhood. And prisons are oppressive and they uphold patriarchal practices. And white women are still tre- treated differently. Um, And I also want to make this last point as our recap before we get into the new information, but on the flip side, mask criminality is seen as more normal than feminine criminality, and women are often receive less harsh sentences and sympathy, which I mean, kind of on the upside for women, but with that being said, last time we talked about how women are more likely to be put into psych centers than men because deviant women were considered insane over criminal. And a lot of people argue that psych centers historically and to this day are just as harmful as prisons. And this includes women being more likely to be put on psych drugs as well to control them. And for females, this idea of the insane was highly sexualized, with white women being deemed as emotional or having a mental disorder, while black and poor women were deemed criminal. So it's it's just so interesting to see how the patriarchy just tries to tear apart women and then further tries to tear apart women of of color. It, It when you just think about it and when you study it, it just it's honestly mind-blowing, and I'm reading, let me get it out, for my women's issues class, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I've only read like a few pages in, and it's so good, and, and just talking about how black men and women were treated back in the day, and I just, just trying to even fathom what that could have been like, I, I just can't. And it's, it's, it's so, so terrible, but I definitely do recommend that book. Only a few pages in though, but I'm sure it's going to get really good. Let's jump into this new info, and I'm really excited to share this information for you all. 
So looking at this from a feminist perspective, happy National Women's Month, day, year, whatever. Going to say it multiple times. Love this day. Also, shout out to my best friend, Ella. She usually gives us flowers on these on this day. And um, I'm actually really excited to go get my flower from her later on. Um, but anyway, so in the, looking at this from a feminist perspective, we can see how harmful the gendered structure of punishment is. And how, you know, how harmful that is within this prison system, but also how harmful that is when looking at the gender structure from, you know, in larger society. So, for example, in the free world, we are moving away from patriarchal practices, but in prison, they are being upheld, especially back in the day. So, white women are treated differently under the patriarchy than women of color, obviously. And for example, when Black and Native American women were in prison, they were segregated from white women, and they disproportionately sentenced. They were disproportionately sentenced to men's prisons. So there was this idea of those who deserve to be reformed as a domestic woman, and those who should further be punished. Disgusting. And however, overall scholars have noted that all women had to do more time than men for similar offenses. So it seems that the people in charge like obviously hated women and hated women of color even more and they would pick and choose how to hurt women differently. And honestly, you can see how that can turn women against each other in a way instead of bringing them together because I would obviously be pissed if, you know, we're both in this shitty situation yet like... I'm seen as worse than than another woman and that I'm sure caused a lot of issues. And in the beginning of the 21st century is when women's prisons began to look more like male prisons. So without the whole domesticity aspect, you know, added to things. And as time went on, more and more people were put in prison and the rate of women in prison had passed men. But now I believe there are more than men than women again. I don't know. The stats kind of vary. Now, when looking at the feminist movement back in the day, we have to look at how the feminist movement hurt women in prison. I thought this was so interesting when I read it. And as the women were marching for their rights and equality, women in prison started to receive backlash of the movement and were started to be treated how the men had be treated had been treated. So the people literally said, y'all want equality? Then here you go. And like, that's so rude. And so many women suffered from the women's movement. And I, they definitely took one for the team and should be applauded. And I'm sure the women in the free world didn't mean for the women's movement to have that effect on women in prison. And, you know, it's not their fault that men have such a effed up idea of equality and you know probably just did that as a way to get back at women for fighting for their rights but it's just amazing to me how even if advocacy can do so many good things for a big group of people it can still hurt those same people or it can hurt people completely unrelated and I I just think that that type of mindset is where we all need to move back towards like things have pros and cons things are good and things are bad and what can we do to have the most good for everybody because I feel like we a lot of the time especially on the internet like people are very critical of you know abolishment you know different things like that but they never like 
have anything to bring to the table when we start to have these conversations and they just want to start yelling at people or pointing out other people's bad behavior to deflect from their own but it's like in real life that's not how these things work like just because you fought in the women's rights movement and then you by doing that negatively hurt women in prison that doesn't make you a bad person but I feel like in today's age if you were on the internet you would literally be like just exiled and nobody would even consider the fact that you really tried to do great things for a lot of women does that make sense like it's it's just mind-blowing to really think about it and so people definitely got it wrong and they should have saw the mistreatment of both men and women to be unjust when fair treatment was demanded for men in men's prison this often led to more repressive conditions for women which is so interesting like i would love to be there and listen in on these conversations and hear their reasoning like what are somebody just like oh like i really hate women so like let's make this worse for everybody i don't i just I do not understand. And again, this is a perfect example of how advocacy, despite the intent, can have negative consequences. But the repression of women in the name of equality did not stop there. In 1996, Alabama's prison commissioner made the decision to establish women chain gangs. So there you go. People just hate women, honestly. Like, that's <laughs> that's the conclusion that I've come to a lot of the time. But... On that note, here is a note from our sponsor today. I am so excited, everybody, to share with you our sponsor. Okay, so Savine is a licensed clinical social worker certified in neuroscience coach and the founder of You Matter Coaching. As a social worker, she experienced the exhaustion, depletion, weariness, and stress mental health professionals carry on their shoulders. That's when she decided to combine her social work and neuroscience expertise to create brain-based programs to help fellow social workers beat burnout and compassion fatigue while renewing their health and taking their career to the next level. Her signature program, Bloom out of burnout is a complete brain-based eight-week journey with video and live coaching plus a weekly support group that helps social workers like you move out of burnout mode and into thrive mode for good each week's topic is strategically designed to move you out of burnout you get new tools and strategies every week that you can implement right away to see results clients will have seen results in two to three weeks and you will get tons of support from Savine and other social workers as well. This program is for you social workers. If you have been feeling physically or mentally exhausted and drained or if you're struggling with creating a healthy work-life balance or if you're feeling like you're drowning in paperwork and you want to have more time and energy for the things that matter most to you. You might also want to enjoy having support and encouragement from other social workers who really just get it. Sabine focuses on brain-based strategies rather than band-aid self-care because she genuinely wants social workers to have access to the most valuable mindset and skills to improve all aspects of their life. This program has a $200 discount, everybody, going on only for Social Work Month, which is March. And if you want to see this program, 
is a good option for you, then reach out to Savine at Savine underscore you matter on Instagram. You can DM her or even schedule a free coaching session. She will go over all the details and help you figure out if this program is right for you. Thank you so much, Savine, for sponsoring this video. All right, so now we are on the topic of sexual assault. Sexual assault was used as a punishment for women in prison, which is what women on the outside of prison prison fear so much because real world, like one of the biggest fears I think for me is like being assaulted on the street or being assaulted by a acquaintance or friend. But in prison, those women that were being assaulted just cannot escape their abuser at all. And this is where the idea of prison abolition concerns me. Because of people like abusers, they're violent and they they hurt. And a lot of people bring up the idea of restorative justice before they bring up abolition. When talking about restorative justice, we have to take into account how this affects victims. But at the same time, abusers can exist in the form of authority within the prison system as well as an inmate. So when we think of sexual assault in the prison system, it can be perpetuated by authoritarian people within the prison system, but also inmates. We had this conversation in my women's issues class, and I thought it was a really good point to mention both. But women in prison who are experiencing these things, they can't get away from their abuser because they are literally locked in a cell, and the people that are abusing them are the people that are paid by the state to quote-unquote uphold the law. It's this really tricky and terrifying situation. And when we think of restorative justice, we have to think about how that would affect victims and and if restorative justice could even be used on uh, perpetrators and what prison abolition, what would that help solve with people who are very violent and hurt others. That's where I get stuck because this is still talking about that, the Angela, Angela Davis book, Our Prison's Obsolete. And that's just where I get stuck, guys. Like, I can't, just what what would we do with them? You, you can't have them running around. And I know so many women and men that have feared for their lives because violent, angry people have stalked them, attacked them before, and tried to do it again. And it's just how can we keep everybody in each other's day safe? And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, community care, if we had more resources, you know, violence wouldn't happen as much. But, you know, I wish I could snap my fingers and everybody has resources and community care is out the front and, you know, violence and stress and all that went down. But, you know, we have to live in reality here and where everybody is at in the world. And I think restorative justice for a lot of things can be a great option. But when it comes specifically to this issue, I I struggle. I struggle with restorative justice aspect of it and I struggle with the prison abolition aspect of it. All right. So in conclusion, no matter how progressive we are in the free world, the horrible ideals of racism and misogyny are seen as normal and lawful in the prison system. And this must be addressed. And I know a lot of the times when I'm talking about this subject in this episode, I'm talking about it in the past tense. Like, what did it look like for women in the past? I'm not talking about the current system, even though we can see how these things have been trends for years and still exist within the system. And what's scary about it is that 
these ideals are seen as normal in those systems even though like i just said in the free world like we're living in a whole a whole different level of consciousness and awareness out here and i know that these two episodes have had that i've had on prison is more of a historical approach with little mention to stats and data um surrounding current issues and i do understand that but for me i just I don't know. I just loved this book, and I it just made me think of so many, so many different things. And and I know not everybody has time to read a book, so I thought doing a podcast episode on it and just bringing in my social worker perspective that it could help you know a lot of people out, or maybe if they want to learn how to start the conversation around you know prison reform and things like that, and just how to have a conversation in a way where like, hey, you know both sides, prison abolition and reform and restorative justice, they have some great points. How do we come to a conclusion that can better everybody, you know, instead of like yelling at each other and trying to cancel each other and be like, oh, well, you're a liberal if you want to abolish, you're a comic, like, oh my god, it's so annoying. It drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. Ugh. Okay. So, I wanted to first dive into the history before we discuss problems with modern-day prisons, but I can assure you that I will have a conversation on this podcast around modern-day prisons prisons in the future. But for now, that is all for today, folks. Please, please, please check out Savine on Instagram at Savine underscore you matter. If you are a social worker, mental health professional that is feeling that burnout and just needs support, her program and her free coaching calls and her Facebook group and her support groups could really help you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye.